Revised, edited, and re-recorded, this is The Addendum. Welcome to episode 128 of The Addendum. My name is Eric. For the official relaunching of the show, it seemed no story would be better to use than the first story that was written for this podcast. It made its debut to very little fanfare, and it has always been a little disappointing that this story did not get more praise or attention. Admittedly, a big problem was the sound quality, including unequal mixing and other recording oddities. Hopefully, this re-recording will help resolve a few of those problems and will allow the opportunity for the story to be enjoyed on its merits alone. As far as the actual content is concerned, there is a rare type of beauty that can occasionally be found in tragedy, and even when that is not possible, there is often something that can be learned from sorrow. In my opinion, this is one of the best and one of the most affecting stories that was originally written for the Addendum podcast. Without further delay, the story will now begin. Across the Midnight Sky by Keith Eric Brandt The door to the motel room opened inward, and in the small gap stood a weary-looking man named Daniel Martin. He was in his mid-forties and thin in an unhealthy way. His frame appeared atrophied from years of disuse. A visible layer of grime gave his jaundiced skin a muted greenish tint. He squinted in the mid-morning light and said, Do I know you? The man who had knocked on the door wore a suit that fit him well. He had a clean haircut and the build of a former athlete. He smiled for a moment and then just as quickly let it fall away. Not by my recollection, he said. You are Daniel Martin he said with more confidence than question in his voice. Martin did not move for a moment. He remained unaffected by the man's inquiry, but he also appeared to be searching for something deep within the eyes of the man who waited before him. After a couple of long moments, Martin said, Is this business? The man cleared his throat. Not officially, he said. I apologize. My name is Patrick Eldon. He extended his arm, offering his hand for a formal introduction. You are Daniel Martin he repeated with a bit more question in his voice. He lowered his hand when he realized the greeting would not be met. Martin nodded his head and moved away from the door, letting it teeter open as he disappeared into the dimly lit room. Come in or out, he said, but close the door either way. Eldon stepped inside and quietly pressed the door closed behind him. The air in the room had a peculiar odor, like the bottom of a medicine bottle. None of the lights were on. A large window facing the parking lot was covered by thick orange curtains that were drawn tightly together, causing the room to be illuminated by a muted glow. Martin sat in a hardback chair upholstered with lime green vinyl. The diffused light from the window cast deep shadows over his face, making him look like a mummy, with dark holes where his eyes should be. A nightstand had been pulled away from the bed and placed next to the chair for use as a coffee table. Upon it, an overflowing olive-colored ashtray sat next to a liter-and-a-half bottle of whiskey and two clear plastic motel drinking cups, one of which had a crack running down its side all the way to the base where its contents had dried upon the table. Eldon walked over to the unmade bed. The covers were thrown aside. The flat sheet remained tucked at the foot of the bed, but it was twisted into an umbilical-like coil. The middle of the bed was discolored with the afterimage of a sleeper. The dark blur was a residue of body oils leached from dirty skin. 
Martin lit a cigarette. He barely moved, aside from occasionally bringing the cigarette to his mouth before resting his hand back on the arm of the chair. It was like watching a lazy firefly with a restricted but determined flight path. Eldon pulled the top cover toward him and laid it over the corner of the bed. He sat down with his feet flat on the floor. You don't mind, do you? The ember of the cigarette moved upward from the arm of the chair and burned a bit brighter before returning to its resting place. No one has any reason to come here, Martin finally said. What do you want? Eldon said, I'm supposed to check on you. Martin pinched the cigarette between his lips as he unscrewed the cap from the bottle of whiskey. He poured an inch into the undamaged cup. In the dim light, the alcohol was a deep cockroach brown. He set the bottle down and then firmly crushed his cigarette out in the ashtray. And I asked what you wanted, he said, blowing an exhausted breath of smoke into the air. Eldon leaned forward, resting his forearms on his thighs and placing his palms together. He raised his eyebrows and said, Information about Laura Elliot. Martin looked neither surprised nor displeased. What good is that going to do anyone, he said. The public tried and found me guilty even though the jury let me go. There is nothing more that can be done. He lifted the cup to his mouth and then tilted it back with an uncommon ease, rolling the liquid down his throat. Eldon breathed an audible breath. There is no angle. I only want to know what you remember. Martin remained unmoved. It's all there in the court documents. Eldon nodded his head. I want to hear it in your words, he said. A small silence filled the emptiness between them. Then Martin asked, why? Because you loved her, Eldon said with honest conviction in his voice. Martin sat back in his chair. Beneath the empty black pits of his eyes, the taut skin covering his cheekbones went slack in the faint glow from the window. He poured a couple more inches of whiskey into the plastic cup. He said, There's nothing more than what the records say. We drove out to Taylor Grove and then hiked through the woods to the clearing on the point overlooking the waters below. It was dark and quiet, except for what we talked about. We loved it there. It always felt like the earth belonged to us and no one else. You can't see anything like that in the city. Everything is too bright and artificial to see anything, and constant noise drowns out any feeling of the soul. He lit another cigarette. What did you talk about? Eldon said. The future, our past, our childhood, getting married, having kids. If there were people like us on some planet light years away, wondering to themselves if we existed and if we were reflections of them thinking the same thing. We talked about everything and nothing, and all of it temporal and impermanent. He drew on his cigarette. After an hour, we headed back to the car. Was there anything in particular that made you leave? Eldon asked. Martin moved his head slightly from side to side. Knowing what I know now, there is never a good reason for anything. It was late. Laura had a morning class, and I had to work the next day. No real reason. There never is. Everything in the dimly lit room was silent except for the sound of tires passing on the nearby highway. Around the edges of the curtain, a drifting pall of smoke was illuminated by daylight trying to escape the trappings of the heavy fabric. The gray and white trails looked like the thin wisps of cirrus clouds trailing across a midnight sky. Martin cleared his throat and it made a clicking sound as he swallowed. We were driving down from the grove. There were no streetlights. It was dark. A deer ran out from the woods. His voice was husky and raw as he spoke. 
Your instinct is to swerve when something suddenly appears in front of you. There is no time to think. It doesn't matter what you wish to do. I pulled the wheel and we went into the guardrail. And everything stopped so fast I heard a ringing in my ears. My breath was gone. For a moment, I couldn't make sense of anything around me or even remember where or who I was only moments before. The right side of the car had hit the metal rail head on. Laura was unconscious and bloody in the passenger seat. The door was pushed inward and the footwell was crushed over her legs. When I tried to undo my belt, my left arm was useless and there was an intense pain in my shoulder. I didn't realize I had broken my collarbone. We were miles out of town on a road barely traveled in the daytime and much less at night. It was either wait and hope that we might be found by mid-morning the next day or walk until I could flag someone down. Laura was trapped and I couldn't move her. There was no help coming. I thought I did the right thing. The cigarette ember floated toward his mouth and glowed bright one last time before being extinguished in the ashtray. Eldon sat forward and asked in a careful voice, Did you know how badly she was bleeding? Martin took a long drink of the brown liquid and held it in his mouth for a moment before swallowing. I knew it was serious, and something had to be done. That was all I could tell. Eldon motioned an unimposing hand toward the whiskey bottle. Did that have anything to do with it? Martin let out half a breath in apparent disbelief, and then laughed in a short and disturbed manner. You're looking at the result, not the cause. Martin's voice was strained as he spoke. There is nothing about that day that I don't second guess. Even though help never would have found us in time, and I walked miles before seeing a single car, knowing what I know now, I would have stayed with her and held her and let her know that everything was going to be okay. Eldon stood. I'm sorry for your loss, he said. I apologize. He walked to the motel door, opening it just enough to let a blade of light divide the room, leaving Martin in the darkness on one side and the bed draped in shadows on the other. It's been twenty years, Martin said. The courts in town have already had their way with me. What were you looking for? The Elliots, Eldon said. Laura's parents. They were afraid you had forgotten about their daughter or dismissed the accident as you moved on with your life. Martin let out another half-breath of his damaged laugh. How much did they pay you? Eldon opened the door a bit further, pursing his lips together as he looked back at the man in the chair. Not enough, he said. After a moment longer, he started to walk out the door, and then paused to look back again. He said, You need to get outside more often. It's much too dark in here. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for downloading and listening. And thank you once again to all of the dedicated listeners who have remained loyal throughout the long hiatus. If you have enjoyed this story or any of the stories featured on this podcast, please take the time to rate and review the Addendum podcast. For a small and independent project like this one, which has no funding and no one to curate it except for myself, a public display of listener support is much more important and meaningful than much of the unfounded accolade often given to much of the larger company-owned podcasts that have a lot of money and advertising behind them. Your ratings and reviews help potential listeners determine whether or not they will give this podcast a chance. Until next time, this has been The Addendum.